The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? But do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Well, howdy there. Okay, first things first. I know you, I saw you open your mouth and now I feel like a dick because I definitely cut you off. But before we get into the recap of last week, I think it is very important that we talk, actually no, Kat, do the recap and then we'll discuss what Shia put at the beginning of the chapter. Okay. Look, I'm so. wearing my Remus's Lupin shirt. I'll never forget again. <gasps> oh, I'm so proud. Yeah. I, every time I put this on, I can hear your screaming. <laughs> Remus is Lupin. Ah, uh, yes, a stunning reminder for us all. Anyway, it sticks in my so brain. when we last met all of you beautiful fire whiskers, we recorded our namesake episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. Yeah, we did. And I learned that that is actually a really dirty title, so that's lovely. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so what had happened was the Room of Requirement was turned into a replica of the Gryffindor common room. And they were all hanging out in there. And then they decided, hey. For what reason? I Whose don't. birthday was it? Oh, snap. Whose birthday was it? Cat, who's on your shirt? Remus. Yes. Remus's birthday. Okay. And then they decided to mix their fire whiskey with the, how do you say it? The Veritim serum. Is that what it's called? The- Veritas serum. Yeah, the one that makes you tell the Veritas truth. Veritas serum. Yep. Yes, the one that makes you tell the truth. So they all decided to take shots of that where they could only get one truth out of each other. So that was fun. And then there was some topless moments and there were some moments of scaredness. And then... Sorry, I'm burping. Jesus. I was about to say, did you just burp? It was her this time, not me, guys. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I didn't even have any fizzy drink today, but anyways, so they were doing that, and then there was, like, the moment of scaredness for Maya, because she's like, crap, I'm from the future, like, I hope nobody asked me questions, but then they made rules, so that was good, and then what's-her-face ended up topless, so that was fun, and then, um, eventually, her and Sirius got down and dirty again, and that was a bit of a, uh, a thing for me because I was like, really, dude? Really, dude? And then him and Remus, I think, at least in my opinion, they kind of got into that, like, really, bro? Like, you kind of broke the code thing there. And then at the very end, he was like, wow, Remus was right. She does taste like fire whiskey and honey. And I was like, dang, that's dirty. So, filling in blanks. Um, Remus, or no, Sirius and Maya, she, um, uh, so what happened was Mary dared James to go ride his broom naked, and so Maya went with him. Alice, Frank, and Peter were all passed out. Lily went back to the dorms, and so it was just Maya, Sirius, and Remus hanging out. And um, they played one more round, and uh, Sirius asked how long Maya and Remus had been having sex. And Maya had taken a sip from the Veritas serum bottle, so she said since Halloween. And he was, and Sirius gets all pissed off, and he's like, I fucking knew it. All this other shit, like, how could you? I could smell him all over you. And Maya's like, so what? slut boy you've been you know fucking your way around three different houses how could you yeah and that's where i got Uh, mad because he was she was like i've i've waited like you haven't done anything so like 
what you gonna do now? Yeah, and Sirius was like, you chose me. And she's like, yeah, and you didn't fucking want me. Yeah. Um. But anyway, so after she yelled that, she ran off. And that's when Sirius and Remus had their moment. And the two of them, you know, went at it. And Sirius is like, you said you've been sleeping together, but you also said you broke up on Halloween. So, like, which is it? And Remus is like, yeah, yeah, we fuck around with each other. We're not dating, but, uh, you know, if she needs me for physical support, I will be there. And she wants me often. And Sirius got all fucking pissed off. And he's like, you shouldn't fucking do that. And he, and Remus is like, maybe you should get your head out of your ass. And it was really cute. Um, but anyway, so then um, Sirius decides to go after Maya and finds her in a corridor. And they start making out. And he kind of is like aggressive with her. And he, like, pushes her against a wall, and they make out, and there's some second and third base stuffs going on. I think, I don't, I never learned the bases. I think second base was, like, feeling and groping, and I can't remember if third base is, like, underclothes or if third base is oral. But whatever. For this, for this sake, we are going to say that third base is getting handy underneath clothes. See, and short this is how is- I always looked at it. Okay, yes. I yeah. always thought that first was kissing. Second was you get to rub my chest. And then third is anything that is not penetration with the downstairs. And then a home run is when you get to penetrate. Yeah, but like where does oral fall in? Is that like shortstop? I I think that falls under the category of third because not only do you eh, but you also eh. For those who can't see Catherine... Uh, is two fingers up to your mouth and the peace sign sticking your tongue between them and uh, is wiggling your fingers in front of your face yeah so So. i I think it just falls under like the category i don't think that they should be divided into like subcategories i don't know i feel like digital penetration and oral penetration are two very different things but anyway now we're just getting into the nitty-gritty but long story short there's a little bit of a aggressive kissing and under the panties fondling or knickers as the birds say and then at the end of it um uh he made her do the big o and that's when he was like fuck if remus wasn't right she tastes like honey so that brings us to chapter 47 which also brings us to a note from shia well yes and Well, yeah, her and a guest reviewer, it says. Mm -hmm. Um, So, author's note. There was a guest reviewer who brought up the fact that, while being drunk is not an excuse, Sirius kind of took advantage of Maya in the situation in the last chapter. I honestly have to agree, though not in a harassing or assaulting type of way, and and at this point in the story, Maya would be settling for the worst of Sirius Black. We have to remember that only uh, that not only is Sirius a hormonal teenager, he's also incredibly damaged, spoiled, very selfish, and incredibly confused, as is Maya, who, let's face it, is still in love with the idea of a future Sirius Black and struggles to see the two versions of the same wizard in her head and heart. It's all very complicated and nowhere near done. As we're approaching some formative years for the Marauders, try to remember that while some events... M- would have been fun to see and read about in other ways, I wanted to try and take different approaches to this time-turner story. Sometimes I fall terribly into cliches, and sometimes I take a long way to a destination. Hopefully my choices pay off in the end. And they do. They do. Yeah, I I can agree with that, because sometimes I'm like, really? That's where you left me, man? (laughs) But it happens. Shia, like the author who shall not be named, is extraordinarily good at weaving things together that may not make sense or may not seem important. And four books later, you're like, holy fucking shit. Like, the locket being mentioned briefly in book five, and then we don't really think about it until the end of book six, and we're like, oh shit, that locket. Actually, no, I don't think they realize it's the same locket until uh, book seven. Yeah, she's very, like, um... Shonda with the how to get away with murder because it's like you have to remember all of that stuff and then when it, the oh whole thing ends you're like oh yeah oh, <laughs> that yeah, happened that like season two I forgot <laughs> yup so anyway 
Without further ado, we bring you Chapter 47, Supposed to be a Good Man. March 13th, 1976. So this is the very next day, because Remus's birthday is March 12th. Oh, hold up. Technically, it's two days early, but Kat, today is our one-year anniversary episode. Yeah. And what that means is that... I'm tearing up. Oh my god, I know, I'm excited. We are going to provide a clothing item, t-shirt or tank, of choice to one of our listeners... And to do so, we want you to go ahead and we are going to open a chat box on Friday when this episode releases. We are going to post something that says, you know, leave your comments here. And you are going to tell us what your favorite moment of fire whiskey and honey is. And we want it to be something that happened specifically in the podcast, not just the story. Because everybody knows what happens in the story, but we want to know what you guys think makes our show special, what your favorite moments are, whether it's me screaming at Kat about Remus's Lupin, whether it was the day that Kat went from Dementor to Happy Little Hufflepuff. Um, I love you. Or when I was delirious from coming back from Burning Man and going through different time zones. Like, whatever it may be. Kind of wish I was there right now. No offense. uh, Preach it. Preach it. I wanted to go this year. But we want to know what you love about this podcast. And we hope you guys all have lots to say. But we are going to have this open from our release date, which is today would will be September 18th. And we are going to leave it open until the evening of our actual anniversary, which is uh, the 20th. September 20th. Did I say July? No, you said September. I did say September. Okay, September 18th. We're going to leave it open until the evening of September 20th. Actually, I'll probably just close it when I wake up on the 21st. But go ahead and leave us some comments. Um, and we will put all of your names into a random name generator. And we will pick a winner. And then you can reach out. And this is... We are going to... Hmm... I don't know how the sh- how much the shipping will be for international. So, you know what? Fuck it. It's our one year anniversary. This is open to both domestic and international. So, leave us a comment. Let us know, and also know that T Public carries sizes from extra small up through all of the torrid sizes. I believe they go up to size four. So, um, if you are very tiny or plus, please still, you know, comment because we will find something that fits you. We love you all, and we hope you enter. And without further ado, our anniversary episode, chapter 47, 40 fucking seven. Yeah, 47. This went by way too fast. Seems like just yesterday you were texting me just saying, yesterday. hey, you want to do a podcast with me? No, I think I was pacing in my backyard, and we were joking, and I kept saying, because Audrey had just started reading it and loved it and I was like ah I wish you would read it and you said well why don't you just read it to me and I'm like that just sounds like a bad podcast (laughs) and so fire whiskey and honey was born yep (laughs) and look at us now a thousand downloads a week over 500 members in our fan group almost 600 yeah and we have like 300 and something instagram followers 200 something twitter followers yeah i think it's up to we have 200 twitter followers yeah it's like 280 something holy yeah and our instagram is up to like 331 i think god damn y'all are fucking wild yeah and i think we've got we've got more than 50 patreons which is crazy. Oh my god, we really need to yeah, do this episode because people really don't care about how accomplished we are. But we fucking love you guys so much. Chapter 47. Supposed to be a good man. March 13th, 1976. I'm not going to apologize for sleeping with Remus, Maya said, 
Breaking the silence now that she and Sirius were seated in the dark alcove on the fifth-floor corridor, the scent of arousal lingering in the air. After he had touched her, tasted her, and brought her to blinding rapture with only his talented hands, Maya and Sirius fell to the floor, the combination of alcohol and an emotionally charged night rendering them helpless against exhaustion. He leant to the side and dropped his head onto her lap. Keeping his face forward, he decided to ignore the fact that he wanted to turn around and pet her some more, instead of letting her pet him. A soft smile appeared on his face when her fingers ran through his hair, gently this time, unlike the passionate pulling they had been doing minutes earlier. "'Can you blame me for being jealous?' he asked, looking up at her. Maya sighed, looking down at him, pressing her lips together. She looked caught off guard, when he, she was met with sincerity. No, she finally answered. But you still don't have a right to be. Do you hate me? I know I got a little carried away there. Okay, a lot carried away. He frowned, feeling sick with himself. He had meant to ask permission at the very least. I didn't mean to take advantage. I think... I took just as much advantage as you did. I wasn't exactly complaining. <laughs> Cat nodding her head. I'm sorry. Like, that's just, like, I, I, I like that. Because it's like, you apologize because you knew that it kind of seemed like it was some type of way. So I like the apology. And I like that she's like, yeah, like, I kind of did the same thing back to you. So it's all good. Yeah. Also, who doesn't love a little hate sex? Like, sorry. It's yeah so it's like I, I i like that because even though it did seem like some type of way in the previous chapter i like that it went to the apology and it's okay thing so i like that because i was actually Absolutely. kind of thinking the same thing like she kind of did the same thing and she didn't exactly like whatever safe sane consensual yes three very important things Biggest emphasis on consensual. Yes. Mucho importante. Mucho. I think I took just as much as advantage as you did. I wasn't exactly complaining. Do I hate you after that? She chuckled softly, but then sighed. A little. Not because of what we just did, but because I know it meant nothing to you. <laughs> Your eyes. I love how expressive you are right now. He sat up and stared at her, offended. What do you mean, nothing? I came chasing after you. I tried to apologize before you bloody hit me. And then, Merlin, Maya, you know how I feel about you. No, she how? freaking doesn't! <laughs> Jeez! Ugh. How? She asked, point blank. Sirius froze. See, you know how you feel, and I know how I feel, but you can't say the words. I have my reasons. Oh, muggle police. He's the very action speak louder than words. Yeah, well, girls need words. We can't read your mind. Why do you, like, you think we're difficult? Why I gotta talk about my husband? <laughs> hey, hey, I, 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 I got the same thing going on. Like, use your words. And they think we're crazy. It's because you don't use your words. Communication. Understanding your partner's love language is very important. Sorry, I'm yelling. My husband. <laughs> you're fine. My husband has learned that I occasionally need the words and he will say the words. But he also, I also have to remember that his love language is doing. So when I go out to drive my car and realize it has a full tank of gas and has been washed... Or if it was my turn to do dishes last night, but I felt like crap and I went to bed and I wake up in the morning and the dishes are all done. That's his love language. So I also have to remember that while I'm very good at vocalizing my feelings to him, I also have to turn around and occasionally do the dishes before he asks or before I need to. Not that he asked me to yeah, do Yeah, I was going to say, you're weird. making that sound yeah, a little yeah. bit like, huh, no, do no, no, I have no, to no, come no. rescue we, you? Are you a handmaid? Like. Yeah. I am terrible at remembering to clean. I am not the clean one in this relationship. So occasionally he'll be like, chore day. So if I clean before he does the 
chore day, then that's a win. And that's, you know, because I am very ADD and get distracted by things. And the next thing I know, really? it's been like three days you, since you, I've you done dishes. You don't say. You're bad at cleaning? I hadn't noticed. I remember when you were not living here anymore and your sister cleaned your room. And I said, oh, her rug is blue? <laughs> you can't see it, listeners. But I have not stopped flipping her <laughs> off since she started that little time. It's okay. I'm not any better. It's fine. Yeah. But anyway. The dead of time. The dead of time. The dead of time. <clears throat> See, you know how you feel, and I know how I feel, but you can't say the words. I have my reasons, he said softly, his eyes downcast. Your family? I, I have to keep you safe, he admitted in a low voice. It's like there's something inside of me, the deepest part of me, that needs to keep you safe. It's always been there, since the first time I ever saw you. When Snivellus shoved you down, I just... I felt anger. Something triggered inside of me, and I needed to make sure you were okay. That sounds ridiculous, right? No, you've always kept me safe. You're my constant protector, Sirius. He looked up at her and saw the way she stared past him, through him, as though he was not there. Sometimes she looked at him like she expected something, someone, that he was not. What do you think is going on there? Well, I may not be correct in this, but this is how I would feel because I've kind of like had this thought process. But I kind of feel like when you say that she expected something, someone he was not, she was expecting him to like go above and beyond her expectations because she knew that he was like better than that or whatever and he wasn't living up to that because she had a picture in her mind of what she knew he had the potential to be and he wasn't doing it but I also kind of think that because it seems like she's more in love with Remus she's expecting Sirius to be Remus and he's not so it's kind of like that like those two things because I've kind of like been in that headspace before and it's super annoying yes and yes and you got to remember this is going back to book one when they were on the horcrux hunt and she got splinched he was the one who protected her who took care of her who healed her who laid in her bed every night in his dog form to protect her he was the ultimate protector he was the one who convinced Narcissa to let him go and got um and rescued her at Malfoy Manor he got tortured when she faced Voldemort like he older Sirius protected Hermione completely so she knows how he can be and she knows, we're assuming that, well, actually, no, we, we know this. He was very kind, very considerate, very asking for consent when it came to touching her, being near her in 1998. And so she's, I think, frustrated because she knows what he's going to be like when he grows up, but he hasn't grown up yet. And so she's frustrated because she's stuck with, you know, 15-year-old dumb teenage boy version when she knows what older, mature, um, hardened by fire, serious is like as well. Yeah, because so. you could also look at it like he's like her best guy friend and like mm-hmm. Remus is the um, like the bad boy. So it's kind of like, I know my best friend is in love with me, but I have to go for the bad guy because, like, that's just whatever. But then at the end of the movie, she realizes that the best guy friend is the the better choice because no one's going to love me like he does kind of thing. Which is, it's funny you say that because you said Remus is the bad boy, right? Yeah, but I tend to mix them up. So I'm probably thinking serious, but I said Remus. Well, because the thing is, Sirius has been the best friend, and Remus is kind of the dangerous yeah. one, because, you know, werewolf. But it, Remus really is her best friend, and Sirius really does end up being the good guy. 
But I think both of them fill that role as good guy best friend and bad boy boyfriend. They both fill that role at various times. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how like they flip flop in those positions. But anyway, back to Dead of Time. We'll stop digressing. So, stop sorry, psychologically analyzing the relationship. Oh God, we're almost a half hour in and we're still in like the first quarter of this story. So we're just going to read now. Um, he looked up at her. He looked up at her and saw the way she stared past him, through him, as though he was not there. Sometimes she looked at him like she expected something, someone, that he was not. When she reached out and gently touched his face, he flinched, regretfully. He couldn't remember the last time he had done that. Fear of touch had been instilled in him from a young age, while Berga had never been affectionate with him, but she had turned cruel when he started mimicking the voices he heard from the front windows of Grimmauld Place. Muggles walked back and forth to and from work, and Sirius listened to them with curiosity. They all sounded so different from one another, and especially from his parents. When he echoed their accents and language, while Burgess struck him hard across the cheek, his father, predictably, did nothing to stop her. Thinking about what he wanted to protect Maya from caused him to remember too vividly. He hoped she had not noticed the way he briefly pulled away from her, but... The sympathetic look in her eyes said otherwise. Sirius closed his eyes. Please don't pity me. It hurt to see the way he pulled back at her touch. Sirius looked like he was in pain the moment her fingers grazed over his cheek. She knew that he had never received a gentle hand at home, and she could not help but wonder if it bothered him uh, too intimately, intimately, gently touch all the girls he slept with over the years, or let them touch him like this. She thought of her older Sirius, who had spent twelve years in Azkaban. A year on the run, one more imprisoned inside Grimmauld Place, and then alone, trapped inside the veil. Had he ever known any kindness or gentleness apart from his friends? It broke her heart to think about. I have to keep you safe too, she whispered, when he turned his face into her hand, kissing her palm. She thought of him falling off of his broom over the edge of the Quidditch stand, lying broken in the hospital wing. She thought of an older Sirius trapped in a cell, waiting for the Dementor's kiss. She thought of pulling Sirius from the veil and feeding him potion after potion to make sure he survived the ritual. She thought of throwing herself over his body as Death Eaters tortured him while Voldemort churned the Elder Wand on her. You don't understand, Maya, Sirius sighed, looking pained. I have to keep you safe even if it's from me. You would never hurt me, she reminded him firmly. No, but my family would. He looked up at her. And until I know they won't be a problem, I don't know what I could ever be to you. I'm not good for you. I'm not much good at all. You are a good man, Sirius Black she snapped, pulling his face into her hands to kiss him soundly on the mouth, as if she could force him to take back his words. One day, maybe, he said as he pulled away from her. But in the meantime, I can't. Then what was tonight about? Me, lacking any form of self-control, Sirius laughed sadly, putting his ha head in his hands. Merlin, it's like the same feeling deep down inside of me makes me want to keep you safe, but also makes me need you. Fuck. Maya, you have no idea the things I want to do to you. She took in a sharp breath that hitched in her throat, her cheeks warming over. Sirius groaned. That's not helping, by the way. The sounds you make and the color of your skin. Bloody hell, I could smell you all night. Maya scrunched up her nose, grimacing slightly. I really wish you and Remus would stop doing that. Oh, don't act like you can't do it too. You're as much an animal as I am. She had the decency to look away from him, but did not de deny his accusation. After a long moment of silence, Sirius asked, Is Remus the only one? Yes. Can you keep it that way? I know I don't have the right to ask, but I trust Remus, and only Remus. Maya shrugged, wondering what Remus would say if he were there. That depends. Are you going to want me to? Yes, he admitted right away. 
She narrowed her eyes. I'm not sleeping with both of you. I didn't mean like that. Sirius scowled, but then added, Not exactly like that. Remus told me why the two of you are still shagging. He keeps you safe, not alone. Makes you forget about me. Maya frowned, feeling just a bit betrayed. He shouldn't have said that. I'm not going to have sex with you. It's crossing a line that I don't think I could ever go back from. So, I don't want you to wait around for me. If you, I guess, need someone, then be with Remus. But only Remus. Fine. But as for you, no Gryffindors. Do what you have to do, she said with a bitter tone. I'm not naive enough to think you're going to go off and keep, or not, I'm not naive to think that you're not going to go off and keep shagging the school, at least until it's safe, like you say, but no Gryffindors. Her eyes narrowed at him. I don't ever want to hear about you with other girls in my own common room. Sirius nodded, agreeing immediately. Done. And no McKinnon, she growled viciously. Fuck, I'll make an unbreakable vow over that crazy bitch. (laughs) And you need to apologize to Remus, Maya insisted, her voice firm. I don't even want to know what the two of you talked about after I left. No, you don't. Sirius rubbed his hands down his face, looking ashamed. I will, I promise. He's not going to stop being one of my best mates simply because he's shagging my... Maya stared at him, eyebrows raised. Our girl? He offered with a small laugh. She huffed in reply, and he laughed harder. You know it's pretty much the truth. You've been ours for years, kitten. Mine and Remus's. And to a lesser and not at all sexual extent, James's. Thank you for that clarification, Maya said with a disgusted shudder. Then she took in a deep breath, exhaling and letting the stress from her shoulders release after a long moment. Friendly reminder to all of our listeners, take this moment, unclench your jaw, roll your shoulders, unfurrow your brow, release your tongue from the roof of your mouth, take a deep breath in, and relax. I think we all need to remember to do that about every 15 seconds, thanks to 2020. Anyway, it feels like we're creating terms for some sort of pre-engagement, aren't we? Sirius smirked. We basically just created a short list of people we're allowed to shag while the world writes itself to create the perfect situation for the two of us to finally be together, which may or may not ever happen. It will. Even if it's not for another 20 years, it'll still happen. After a brief pause, she teasingly said, You think tonight will hold you over until then? Fuck no! Sirius barked a laugh, looking at her with a familiar twinkle in his eyes. Speaking of which, you wouldn't be terribly inclined to return the favor, would you? Oh, God. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Queen. (sighs) She laughed, shaking her head as she moved to stand up. I'll consider what you did an apology for tricking Remus and me into confessing our secret to you. We're currently even, Padfoot. Wait, Sirius called after her as she began making her way back to the Gryffindor Tower. We need to include one last, very important thing in regards to our arrangement. Maya looked back, raising a brow. Never tell Jamie. Never. Alright, what you think? I think that was a very good and interesting interaction, and I kind of like that they kind of came to for lack of a better way of putting it like a gentleman's agreement like this is how it's gonna be we've talked it out it's all good (laughs) yeah (laughs) like okay so we can't date now but until we can you don't fuck her i won't fuck them and we're good neat yeah it's like that one how i met your mother episode where they talk about keeping people on the hook yeah, basically. yeah. it's like how when Carrie Underwood plays Ted's, like, love interest, and she's like, but not right now. <laughs> it's 
like that's exactly what's happening it's like i'm keeping you there but i want this other thing and it's just like so wrong and messed up but teenagers gotta love them gotta love them uh march 16th 1976 Despite the regular meetings of the assisted defense group in the room of requirement, where the advanced students began learning basic wandless magic courtesy of Maya, they still had to attend official defense against the dark arts class with Professor Higgs. The former Slytherin had not toned down his prejudices against creatures and beings, who he referred to as half-breeds. But thanks to the multitude of complaints from everyone except the Slytherins, the professor was no longer allowed to show graphic photographs of attacks, nor was he to refer to defense against any creature as killing. Despite the minor improvement, the class still felt like a preparatory class course for future Death Eaters. Maya would have bet good money that, had she not looked like a toad, and they had both been capable of human emotions, Professor Higgs would have fallen madly in love with Dolores Umbridge. That poor actress. My favorite favorite thing from her is when she told people the role she got, and everybody's like, oh my god, you're going to be so perfect for that. And she was like, the first line describes her as looking like a toad with a bow. So, you know, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure she's a very nice she's person. She's so in real sweet. Life. She's such a sweet person in real life. She played one of the fucking fairies in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, and she was somebody in the Downton Abbey movie, so oh my God, she yeah, made she up was. for it. She'd, well, I feel like she was pretty miserable in that movie, too. But Well, she was less off with their heads. Yeah, yeah. Um,. Professor Higgs met them in front of the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom, his teeth bared in a way that barely qualified as a smile. Pair up. Separate houses. When the students refused to acknowledge one another, save for Lily, who, out of pure habit, gravitated towards Snape only to have him shake his head at her, the room came to a standstill. Abbott with long bottom. The professor hissed impatiently, pointing his long, skinny fingers. He paired everyone off. Bellby with Brown, Zabini with MacDonald, Lupin and Evans with the Caros, Potter with Snape, and no Miss Potter. Oh, so, sorry, no Miss Potter, he corrected when James became visibly excited about the potential of dueling his nemesis. Mr. Potter and Mr. Black, I'd like to have, uh, I'd like you to pair with one another, and I expect actual offensive and defensive measures to be taken this time. Professor Higgs glared at the two before turning around and pairing up the rest of the students. What about me, Professor? Peter called from the back, the odd Gryffindor out. Pettigrew, I didn't see you, boy. Wait on the sidelines until Longbottom inevitably faints or becomes otherwise incapacitated. (laughs) Lily, keep an eye on Remus for me. Maya whispered, as both prefects took their place opposite the Caro twins. Remus was barely holding himself together, as it was the morning before the full moon, and, if it were not a danger to his fragile ego, Maya would have insisted that he leave class immediately and go to the hospital wing instead of facing off in a duel. Lily nodded to Maya, shooting her an understanding smile, but before she could even face her own opponent, let alone keep an eye on Remus, a hot spark snapped her in the leg. "'Ow! You're supposed to bow first. I don't bow to mudbloods, Electo Caro said. All of the Gryffindors turned to stare at the professor, knowing it was impossible that he didn't hear the slur, but he looked perfectly content to ignore the word. When Professor Higgs did nothing, Lily turned eyes to Snape, who pretended not to have heard the exchange as he stared daggers across the room at Maya. Some friend, Maya muttered under her breath. That, however, the professor clearly heard as his eyes narrowed into slits. Don't wait around all day. Sirius and James were the only pair to offer a proper bow to one another, but they were both more intent on watching their friends duel the Slytherins instead of facing off against each other. The moment Professor Higgs turned around and made his way to the desk to take a seat, as he always did during practice duels, every Slytherin made the first attack. Expelliarmus! Stupefy! Flippendo! Vermidilius! Petrificus totalis impedimenta. The Slytherins all yelled, following by a united, "Shut up!" (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't even know who the fuck those voices were for, and I'm never going to be able to replicate them, but that's fine. Oh, my God. No offense, but you kind of just reminded me of your mom for some reason doing those voices. I don't know why. I think uh, it's because of something I heard her read once and she like did voices for some reason. Yeah, she used to read um, Halloween books to kids. She'd yeah, show up I, as I think I probably heard her do that once and I think she did voices and that's why it reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. Mom's story time was stellar. The Slytherins all yelled, followed by a united simultaneous echo from the Gryffindors. Protego! Not a single attack landed. Adrian Abbott and Damocles Bellaby followed the proper instructions, so Frank and Alice were able to have a legitimate practice duel, though both Gryffindors, both being members of the AD, were levels above the Slytherins and easily disarmed them in the end. Frank, being the kind of person he was, walked across the room and extended a hand to Adrian, helping him up before returning the boy's wand. Alice followed his example with a smile. Seeing this somehow infuriated the other Slytherins, and someone, Mike not see who, threw a stunning spell at Frank, knocking him backward and rendering him unconscious. Hey! Lily shouted, outraged. She made her way across the room to revive Frank, but before she could reach him, the Carrow twins attacked, each sending a stunning spell, only one of which Lily managed to block. The other hit her hard in the shoulder, knocking her to the ground. The sight triggered something in James, causing him to leave Sirius's side and to rush to Lily's aid. He easily defended himself against the onslaught of hexes and jinxes that came his way. The Slytherins could have been throwing cheering charms at him for all the good it was doing. "'Evans, you all right?' James asked, his concerned gaze running over her body for injury. Maya did her best to keep an eye on the situation, but she caught a glimpse of Snape with his wand aimed at James's back. "'Levacorpus!' An invisible hand snatched James by the ankle, tugging with the intention to levitate him upward. Before James could even lose his balance, however, Maya stepped in front of her brother and shouted, Libericorpus! How did you know that spell? Snape demanded with a glare. Where'd you learn that? Maya glared back at him. Stupefy! He blocked it deftly before casting an ineffectual knockback jinx, which she ducked. When his, fe- when his spell failed, he cried, Serpensortia! and a long snake erupted out of the end of his wand, hissing and striking out at her. Sirius and Remus both stepped forward to help, but she held up a hand to stop them, aiming her wand down, amused at the irony of the situation with which she was faced. Vipera Evanesca, she cast, watching the snake vanish in a puff of black smoke. This only enraged Snape further, but he did not attack. She watched him carefully, waiting for a sign, but he made no move. The Caros did, however... With Lily still unconscious and being revived by James, the Slytherin twins each sent a spell at Remus, who was distracted, watching Maya. Impedimenta! Stupefy! Remus, in his current condition, being knocked to the floor by the carrows, was enough to tear Maya's attention from Snape the moment her eyes turned away from him. He aimed his wand and roared, Langlock! Or, sorry, Langlock! Rendered silent with her tongue stuck to the roof of her mouth, Maya was unable to cast any spells verbally. That was when Snape began attacking with renewed vengeance. Locomotor Wibbly, he caused, calling her legs to collapse beneath her. Expelliarmus! Her wand flew across the room. She glared at Snape and felt a slight tingle, similar to when she shifted into her animagus form, and could not help but wonder if, in her anger, her brown eyes had turned amber. You son of a bitch! Sirius shouted, rushing towards Snape, wand outheld. The sudden and silent shield flew up, blocking him from moving further. Sirius whipped his head around and caught sight of Professor Higgs holding his wand up with a smarmy smile on his face. Twenty points from Gryffindor, Mr. Black, for interfering. Keep your distance, all of you. I'd like to see how this plays out. He chuckled at the sight of Maya, wandless, silenced, and immobile from the waist down. Finish your duel, Mr. Snape. Snape looked confused at first, but then glowered down at Maya and raised his wand. His lip curled as his eyes filled with contempt. He began his spell. Stupor! Ginny, you'd appreciate this, Maya thought, squeezing her eyes shut as she cast her very first non-verbal, wandless, bat-bogey hex. Before Snape had the chance to finish his spell, he sneezed, letting out a loud scream as a massive bat-shaped bogey crawled out of his hooked nose. It grew wings and began to attack him viciously, slapping its wings against the side of his face. Finite incantatum, James hollered. Maya let out a gasp as her tongue was released, her legs regained sensation. Accio wand, 
Her precious vinewood wand flew into her hand. Aiming the wood at Snape, she shouted, Stupefy! Eyes it's finite incantatum because in the movie oh, they finite. say finite. You're right, it is finite incantatum. Good catch. <gasps> Guys! Oh, I'm so proud. I might cry. Finite incantatum. You I was going to say, like, I, I didn't know. Like, I've heard pensive and pensive. Like, I didn't know. I was just asking. Shoot. My little baby fan is all grown up. <laughs> Thanks. Where's my biscuit? Want a pink cookie? And by biscuit, I mean what you all Americans call cookies. No. Best line from the Harry Potter series. Have a biscuit, Potter. Anyway. (laughs) Somebody actually got that tattooed on their arm. And they're like, it's just a reminder that when shit gets you down, there should be somebody there to offer you a biscuit. Even if it's just a tattoo on your arm. And I'm like, yes. Anyway. I like that. Me too. Um, Accio wand, her precious vinewood wand, flew into her hands. Aiming the wood at Snape, she shouted, Stupefy! Eyes blazing as Snape fell backwards, hitting the ground, unconscious. She stood up and looked around the room. Frank was sitting next to Lily while Alice helped him nurse a head bump he had received from being stunned. James hovered protectively over Remus, who had also been revived, though his eyes were trained on the unconscious Snape. Elora Zabini and Mary had both apparently lost their wands in the duel and were now in the back of the room pulling each other's hair. Mary appeared to be winning. I love that. That visual just makes me happy. <laughs> I'm just picturing Mary with like southern rage just like bashing Elora Zabini's face into the floor with her hair. Anyway. Sirius, still blocked by Professor Higgs's shield, was pacing back and forth like an animal in a cage, his gray eyes glaring between the professor and Snape looking positively murderous. Maya could not help but remember a similar look on an older Sirius Black in the Shrieking Shack when he first came face to face with Peter Pettigrew after twelve years. Peter had been in the back of the room back corner the entire time, quietly watching as the chaos unfolded. He looked like he wanted to sink straight into the wall. Well, this was illuminating, Professor Higgs drawled, as though commenting on a mildly interesting experiment. A 15-inch essay due tomorrow on the effect of layering attack spells, though it is the full moon tonight. Will you be able to finish your homework, Miss Potter, or are you hoping to stage an intervention for the werewolves that have been reported seen in the area? She glared up at him silently, refusing to let him provoke her into an outburst. A clear dismissal, the students began to filter out of the classroom, but Sirius lingered, stalking towards Snape. You ever speak to Maya again, Snivellus, and you're dead, he growled dangerously, before storming out of the room. Outside the classroom, Remus looked like he could pass out at any moment. Maya ran her fingers through his hair, pushing sweat-soaked fringe from his forehead. I still want to know where you found that spell, Potter, Snape called, glaring in Maya's direction the moment he stepped out of the defense classroom. Sirius turned and launched towards him, fist raised. I told you never to speak to her again. You're dead, Snivellus. Whoa, hey, back off, Lily intervened, stepping in between them. Out of the way, Evans. Sirius, Maya hissed, grabbing his hand as she glared at Snape from over Sirius's shoulder. Sirius, please don't. He's not worth it. Sirius slowly backed down, but threw both Snape and Lily a dirty look before turning back to Maya, protectively wrapping an arm around her. Severus, Lily whispered. He sneered at her. Don't you want to go back and check on your friends and their pet? Lily visibly recoiled at his words. When James and Sirius moved behind her, she held up her hand and turned to glare at them. Everyone out of the hallway now, or I'm going to start taking away points. One of these days, you're going to have to pick a side, Evans. Sirius glared at her, before turning around to storm out of the corridor, leaving behind James and Maya, who were busy holding up Remus. Ignore him, Maya said. Lily frowned. Which one? Both? All. You know, it's funny, Kat, all this talk about Snape and Sirius and Remus and the training in the Room of Requirement. And storming out of the corridor because you know it helps you relax. Candles. 
Exactly. And wax melts. And soon, soaps. Yes, because right now it's important to wash your hands or your paws or whatever your animagus form allows you to have. Yup. And I have been the lucky recipient. Ooh, good God, burping. I'm sorry, Rin. I've been the lucky recipient of two soap samples. One is Narcissa, one is Remus. Yours is on the way. I promise I am the worst. By the time this airs, she will have gotten it, I swear. But my hands and my body, because I took it into the shower with me, smell like Narcissa. And I am not a blueberry fan. I like eating blueberries. I hate things that say they smell like blueberries. Actual blueberries, blueberry muffins, oh yes. Fake blueberries, bleh. So when I saw that Narcissa mainly featured blueberry, I was a little concerned. And then I got a sample, and now she is my fucking favorite. Her, Remus, room of requirement. Ugh. But Does your husband know you're taking Narcissa into the shower? Well, I mean, I do bathe with Charles burning merrily along beside me. But, 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 the important thing is that you too can smell Doria, Remus, Charles, the room of requirement, and soon Narcissa, Snape, fire whiskey and honey, all sorts of wonderful, delicious things. And you can get them at a discount if you go to Starcross Sundries and enter the discount code Fire Whiskey Friday. That is Fire Whiskey, no E in Whiskey Friday, all one word, all lowercase. Those will get you your discount from Starcross Sundries, who is once again sponsoring this wonderful podcast because we love Rin, Rin loves us, and we love candles, and candles make us happy. So. If you need some smell good in your life, if you want wood wicks, you want regular wicks, you want melts, you want soaps, go check out Starcrossed Sundries. Also join the Starcrossed Sundries Facebook group where they have the passcode to get into the not-so-secret menu where you can also get lovely, delicious smells. They have recently released their autumn line so you can get things like autumn bonf- bonfire and pomegranate cider and pumpkin spice and there's the orchards. That's the other one. If you like the smell of apples, highly recommend Jamie. If you like things that are clean, I highly recommend The Room of Requirement and Can You Swim and You Are the Song and they are all fantastic. So, Starcross Sundries, check them out, buy their things. We love them. Fire Whiskey Friday, that is your code. Now go spend your hard-earned galleons in muggle plastic. Preach. Ooh, oh, I accidentally flipped to the previous chat. I was like, whoa, whoa, what are we talking about? What are you doing to me? Why is Sirius rolling his hips into Maya? That was last week's <laughs> chapter. I was like, whoo, that got hot and heavy real quick. Uh, <laughs> March 17th, 1976. Maya, Maya, wake up. Peter? Maya rubbed her tired eyes, looking down at the boy who was standing at the foot of her bed, practically quivering. Peter, I swear to Merlin, if you're actually here in the girls' dorm, I'm going to hex you into next year. How the hell did you get in here? Rat, Peter pointed, or said, pointing to himself as though that fully articulated, uh, that were a fully articulated sentence. Fine, that answers the how. Now I'd like to know the why. If Mary knows you can sneak into the dorms, you're a dead man. Not even Jamie can protect you from Mary's wrath. Maya, You have to come with me. Something's happened. We can't get him to calm down. She bolted up, throwing her legs over the side of the bed. Peter, where's Remus? The full moons had been getting progressively worse since the werewolf sightings in Scotland. Attacks were getting closer and closer to Hogsmeade, and therefore Hogwarts. Remus was a constant nervous wreck, and the fact that the four animagi would no longer allow to be with him in the shack made it all the worse. He's in the room of requirement. James was able to lock him in. Peter's small, watery eyes were as wide as they could be, the sight unnerving Maya as she jumped out of her bed, slipping on her outer robes as quickly as possible. Not waiting for Peter, she rushed down the stairs to the common room and out the portrait hole in a blur. When she reached the seventh floor, she followed the shouts echoing loudly in the otherwise silent corridor. Turning a corner, Maya spotted Sirius, sitting on the ground with his back up against the wall, his his eyes dark and rimmed with red, his head hung low in what looked like shame as a red-faced James held him at wand point. Maya often compared James to Harry, but it was moments like this, 
when James lost his temper, that Maya was able to see the difference between father and son. While Harry had kept his seeker's fame throughout the school, Jane, er, frame throughout the school, James had filled out, and when he needed to appear intimidating, he had no trouble standing taller and using his larger frame to do so. Should curse you right here, James bellowed, looking close to tears himself. You were supposed to be better than your family, Sirius. Cringing at the volume, Sirius shrank further against the wall. Maya gaped at the sight in horror. She had never seen James properly angry with Sirius. Even when the two had fought over Sirius's issues with her and Remus, James seemed to react as though it were her, his brotherly duty, regardless of how he felt about Sirius. Now, however, he looked furious with his best friend. It had been a long time since James had used Sirius's names instead of affectionately calling him Padfoot. I know, I can't. Sirius stammered, looking anguished. Jamie? Maya whispered, taking a slow step towards the scene. Jamie, where's Remus? Sirius swallowed, getting to his feet and hesitantly taking a few steps towards her. Maya. He's in the room, James said, holding out his wand to block Sirius from moving any closer. He turned his eyes on his best friend, glaring sternly before turning back to his sister. There was... An accident. No. Maya shook her head, already knowing what he was going to say. How had she forgotten? Her eyes bore into Sirius's face, and he broke under her stare, turning away from her. Do you know what they're talking about? I don't know. It's referenced in the movies and in the books, and also, I think in the beginning of the dead of time. I'm not going to ruin what happens next, but this is this did happen canonically. So, be aware of that. Okay. So, Hermione knew about this and Maya is now kind of I think pissed with herself that she didn't see it coming. Oh, is that the reason why they built him that thing under the tree? Mm-mm. No, so he, okay, the, the the thing under the tree is the access to the Shrieking Shack, which they've already had. Um, okay, never mind. I don't think I know, but I'll probably be like, oh, crap. I knew that. Her eyes born to Sirius's face as he broke under her stare, turning away from her. Maya, I'm so sorry. I can't tell you how sorry I am, Sirius choked out, clearly grieving. Everyone's safe, but Sniv, Snape. James corrected himself, found a way beneath the Whomping Willow. I got there just in time. Snape's with Dumbledore, but Remus was in a state when the sun rose. Professor Dumbledore asked us to deal with him, but Maya, he won't listen to us. How did Snape figure it out? She asked, looking directly at Sirius, tears already welling in her eyes. Had it not been just days ago, he refused to break eye contact with her as they held each other in the dark corner, confessing feelings of affection and making promises of safety. I let him overhear me, Sirius mumbled. I made him think we were keeping something secret up in the shack. Made him think that we'd all be expelled if we were found out. Then... He brought his hands up to his face and shook his head, exhaling shakily. I'm so sorry, Maya. I let him hear me talk about the notch in the tree. She closed her eyes, unable to yell at him. Sirius, you could have killed him. You could have destroyed Remus over this, his whole life. Maya, please, Sirius rasped, voice raw. Scream at me, hit me, tell me you hate me. I won't bother, Maya sighed unable to give him anything but her quiet disappointment. The saddest thing about you, Sirius, is that I expected something like this to happen. I don't even have the energy to be angry with you, because it won't change anything. Nothing ever changes, she said sadly, and looked at the door. Jamie, let me in the room. I want to see Remus. Just be careful, James whispered as he walked to the door. He hit Padfoot a few times. Good, Maya said. Maya, I am so... Sirius began, tears streaming down his face. I'm not the one you need to apologize to. You were supposed to be a good man, Sirius. Her eyes widened once the door to the room of requirement closed behind her. 
James had apparently asked the room to recreate the Gryffindor common room like it had the night of Remus's birthday party. Was it really only four days ago that they were all in here, laughing and enjoying each other's company? The room was virtually destroyed. Furniture was upended, curtains torn, and there were large holes in the wall. Maya frowned as she ran her fingers over one of them, noticing blood on the stone. She heard a noise in the corner and spun to see Remus huddled against the wall, knees pulled to his chest with his arms wrapped around them. Even across the room and in the dark, she could see a new, long scar cutting through his face, beginning at his left eyebrow and slicing against the, against the bridge of his nose, ending in the center of his right cheek. Hello, love, Maya whispered, as she moved closer until she could kneel down before him. Remus turned his face away from her, quietly sobbing into his folded arms. She worried that he would flinch away from her like he used to when she would approach him about his lycanthropy after a rough moon. She worried he would snap at her, put up walls and block her out, or just ignore her altogether. But the moment she sat down and leant against him, Remus fell into her arms, crying into her lap. It's going to be okay, she whispered, stroking her fingers through his hair as she tried to hold back tears of her own. She kissed the top of his head, holding him close. Dumbledore will fix everything. You didn't do anything wrong. I could have killed someone. I could have killed him, Remus said through gasping sobs. I'm going to end up like the rest of them, like Greyback. I'm going to end up hurting someone. I will never let that happen. I swear on my magic, Remus. I will do everything possible to make sure you never become like Greyback. And scene. Yeah, I I feel so bad that I don't remember that. Like, I really don't. It, I, I think it was very brief in the movies, but it definitely went into it a little more in the books. Um, remember when Snape is teaching Harry occlumency and teaching him how yeah. to close his brain off? I think one of the things Harry... I, and I'm sure fans are yelling at me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think one of the things he saw was um Snape going under the tree and Snape telling him that Sirius and his father almost got him killed um because Sirius told Severus how to get under the tree and did so on a night when Remus was going to be turning and as a result almost killed him but um yeah so that's the chapter what do you think I feel like I've been left on a cliffhanger and I wish we could record the next one so I can find out, but now I have to wait and that doesn't make me happy. We can record again tomorrow. Oh boy, yay. <laughs> Knock out all the September episodes in a week. New record. But, <sighs> I don't think I've had to put that emotion into words before. That was, I don't know if it... I feel like I did a good job, but I also feel like I'm going to listen to it and be like, that sounds cheesy as fuck. But uh, <laughs> let us know what you think of our vo my voice acting abilities and Kat's wonderful emotions and responses. I've been, I've been very proud of you this episode. This was a good episode. Thanks. I agree. Hannah Beth's going to kill us. This is a long one. <laughs> Yes, it is. And we have to thank the people. We have to thank our awesome Fox-level producer Patreons. We would like to thank Miriam, Rachel, Becky, Jackie, Aguila, Becky, Rebecca, Carissa, Sandra, Chelsea, Nevi, Ryder, Ryland, Olivia, Ashley, Heather, Amara, Claire, Claire, Roshan, Jade, Hannah, Shannon, Audrey, Paige, Jillian, Kelly, Martina, Samantha, Amanda, Miranda, Sarah, Danielle, Caitlin, Rin, and Laura. Thank you so much, everybody, for contributing. Amen, sister. Gracias. And yet again, I'd like to say another thank you to all of our foxes, you foxy, foxy individuals. We love you. Mwah. Also to our dogs, stags, and wolves, we love you as well. Thank you so much for being so patient with us as we've made this transition to a new address and all that kind of stuff. We hope you have your stuff either now or soon. And we hope you join us next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Ka-cha!
Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.